Welcome to the Face Off Podcast. This is a podcast for the movies of John Travolta face off with the movies of Nicolas Cage until we watch the movie Face Off. I'm Jess McBride. And I'm Erin Hennessy, and we will be your guides along this journey through the blood buckets of Travolta and the bloodbaths of Cage. This is our eighth episode, and it's all about getting revenge against bullies and religious sociopaths. Amen to that. There's a lot of them. Wow. What a lineup this week. <laughs> um, this week we luckily got to watch this together because Erin uh, came down to Los Angeles. I did. She's here in the studio. I am in the studio. <laughs> yeah. So these are two horror films. They're pretty squarely in that genre, which is not a genre that I personally dabble into I would like to dabble into it more. I don't. Because um, sometimes it is too scary for me. Like, sometimes I get really, really genuinely creeped out. Yeah, I mean, the whole point of it is, like, what is terrifying to humans? How can we portray that? Mm-hmm. And what, I mean, that's so interesting. Which is interesting. I think the scariest horror that exists is the unknown. Like, anything that is yeah. about something that you can't quite define. So I didn't think, I thought Bird Box was pretty scary. I was a little bit scared a lot of the time. Um, But like with these movies, it was very interesting because the, to an extent, the fear was known, right? Mm -hmm. They were, they were people that could hurt other people. Well. Except for Carrie. No. I don't know. I'm going to push back on that. I feel like there's a lot of unknown in both of these. So let's Mm -hmm. get into our movies. Uh, This week we are reviewing uh, Carrie, which Mm -hmm. features... John Travolta, and Mandy, which features Nicolas Cage. So let's start off with Carrie, since this is this is actually our oldest movie that we shall review, mm-hmm. because this was John Travolta's first movie that he was in. The IMDb summary is thus. Carrie White, a shy, friendless teenage girl who is sheltered by her domineering religious mother, unleashes her telekinetic powers after being humiliated by her classmates at her senior prom. Um, Accurate. Let's let's look at some of the facts. So this movie came out in 1976. So shortly after the book was written, there was a, a book, Carrie, written by uh, Stephen King. Yeah. This was his first book. So this is a movie of first. Um, and yeah, this is kind of like what what launched his career into pop thrillers. Also... And he hasn't stopped since. He has not stopped. No. He's still going strong. Like John Travolta. <laughs> They're still going. <laughs> um, the, it was interesting. I, I read a fact somewhere that he sold the screen or the rights to the book to be made into a screenplay for $2,500, which he said he does not regret because no. because it was great. It was great to promote that story, right? Absolutely. In that way. And mm-hmm. like he was... I think he was working at a laundromat or he was, he was hustling. He was Mm -hmm. not the Stephen King we know today as far as success goes. And so for him, like that's a good chunk of money. I would sell a script for that. John Travolta didn't necessarily star in it. I think he's up, he's sort of known as, as a, and, and he's like one of the two names because he's the, one of the, the best known actors in it. But, um, I would say like, the stars of the movie are Sissy Spacek and Piper Laurie. That was Carrie and her Absolutely. mom. I think, I think he was also given more credit for the film, maybe, than he deserved to get. But uh, just because he was up and coming at that time, and I think they anticipated that he was going to be 
really big because he was on a TV show. And, oh, he you was know. on a TV show. So they yeah. were like, they, seemed- I mean, he did have relative, he was like top build, right? On, right. On the credits, he was top so. build, which like, mm-hmm. why was he top build and not Tommy, who had a yeah. way bigger role? Who went on to not do a lot of things. Right. So I think this is like really a, a hindsight billing. That's the technical term for That's it. That's our theory, that just, at least. Yeah, unless there's some sort of Scientology thing that's going on where he's like, I believe that I will be the star of this, and yeah, I am. And now he is! <laughs> okay. Uh, um, so anyway, this was not a big budget film. Uh, it was made for 8. Uh, 8. 1. 8. 1.8, I can read, $1.8 million dollars. Um, and brought in $33.8 million, which is pretty incredible. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that Carrie was a popular book for, mm-hmm. like, to an extent, but Stephen King wasn't a household name in any way. And, the, and you know, again, like, these were a lot of young actors. Sissy Spacek was not a big name at all, but I think people really went, like, were really intrigued by this story, which I think is... I think there's a really, reason for that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the characters are very deep and very human, and you can relate to what the characters are going through in this very thriller setting because he's made you care about them. And I think that in the same way Carrie's been set up in the sa- in, similarly, because you have this very shy girl, I think that, you know, not everyone is shy or... or you know, where Carrie is, but I think a lot of us have been to some degree or the other. We've, you know, experienced bullying or rejection or like not knowing what your body is doing or not knowing what's going on. Um, and she's sort of an extreme example of that, but it's really relatable mm-hmm. um, to see, you know, a young person struggling with that and trying to get help, but not having anyone really to turn to. Yeah. It, it, that opening scene is really interesting because it it does, in a short amount of time, it does set the stage or sets our expectations for what we're going to be dealing with with Carrie as a character. Mm-hmm. And we see how ignorant she is. She thinks she's dying, essentially, so if when she the, starts her period. Yeah, the movie opens with her. Uh, it's a very... Uh, sensual? Sen- <laughs> it's sensual, yeah. A very sensual shower scene with her, like, just bathing after P.E. Um, in the locker room and... Uh, she, all of a sudden you see, like, blood running down her leg, which, you know, is not necessarily That's how not it works. how it works. It's okay. Ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that definitely sets the tone for, like, the theme of blood, and also that this is, like, this kind of inciting, uh, like, incident that we start out with being like, hey, she's, she's obviously not educated about her body or her sex or anything, she's a little bit, like, her reactions to things are a little bit off. Like, she doesn't read the room. She doesn't, like, she doesn't have any allies in the, you know, as far as her own cohort of girls. And even the coach, Miss Collins. Miss Collins does help her, and she empathizes with her, but she also, like, slaps her. Yeah. Which is, like... A weird, like, in, in a 2019, it's like, no, you don't Don't ever do that. She um, slaps a few students. She sure does. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's like she, 
Anyway, that's mm-hmm. that's what you see. Yeah, she Miss Collins goes on to say it's so interesting because as the movie progresses, she becomes more of an advocate of Carrie. Yeah. But at the beginning, when she goes and talks to the principal, and by the way, wait, which one of them lights up a cigarette? I think she lights up a I cigarette. Think they're both no, smoking. maybe they're both smoking yeah. in the office. What the heck? In the principal's office. Um, she admits like something to the effect of like I don't know why um, it like it was so upsetting to me, or she. Uh, I reacted so negatively to her too, basically. Yeah, like I also wanted to. Yeah, I wanted to. Yeah, pick up his which is is weird. I mean, I think there is a level of impatience with with a kid like that that is completely ignorant, and you don't really know how to even get them to catch up with everyone else because you're yeah. just like you know nothing, and nobody is clearly teaching you anything, and um, or something. I don't know. But then we we actually meet her mother. She goes to basically preach to another mother, right? <laughs> yeah. um, Sue's mom. And she's weird as hell. <laughs> and again, not reading the room socially is just, uh, you know, I feel compelled to preach. And the her Sue's mother gives her $10 to basically make her go away. And gosh, it's just, it's it's strange. We see this this mother that is completely existing in her own world. Um, and then they interact for the first time, Carrie and her mother, and she punishes Carrie and throws her in a closet. Yeah, she right. made, she slaps Carrie. There's a lot of Sla- physical abuse in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, one thing we forgot that's like super important about this movie, major plot point, is every time something really significant or um, happens to Carrie or she's harmed, something goes wrong in the room, right? So uh, that's another thing in the opening scene um, when she starts the period and she's really upset because these girls are taunting her. Um, uh, a light breaks overhead, right? And then we go to the office and the principal keeps forgetting her name and an ashtray falls on the ground and breaks. And then I don't remember what happens when she interacts with her mom. I don't but- know that anything happens at first, but she... Um, and we get the cue because we get a shot of her eyes mm-hmm. and we get the the violin... Mm-hmm. Um, screech. Mm. Like the Psycho. Yep. Do you think Psycho is the first incident on that? Did you look that up? I, th- I think that was um, a pretty groundbreaking sound or scoring um, with, with Psycho, but it actually was... Okay, fun fact. So the high school in Carrie is called Bates High, which yeah. is a reference to Hitchcock, and then the music is intentionally, obviously, similar, like with that... Yeah. Yeah, so... It wasn't Bates High in the novel. They changed it for the movie. I would assume so. I do not know that. Okay. So, like the the theme of blood is definitely is like established at the beginning, um, and kind of to taunt her, um, and also just there's a, there's a an enemy that forms in the in the person of this girl Chris, and I think because she gets she kind of gets the most punishment or she doesn't like the, I don't know. She also gets slapped by Miss Collins. She gets slapped by Miss Collins and John Travolta. She gets, she, but she's, uh, no, I'm not going to, I almost said she's asking for it. She's not asking for it. She's a very erratic person and she's being mean to people, but that doesn't mean that they should slap her. All this to say is that she really wants to get back at Carrie. She's, she's kind of a malicious person. And so she wants to humiliate Carrie even more. And her so, friend, uh, Sue, does not want to hum- humiliate Carrie. We see... In contrast. Yeah. Well, 
But we don't know that, actually, throughout yeah. most of the movie. We questioned Sue, it the whole movie. Sue is a questionable character until the very end. But um, Chris hatches this plan to dump, to, to gather pig's blood, which I don't think we're really shown the plan, right? Mm-hmm. We're, just, we're just shown that she's kind of coercing John Travolta, her boyfriend, into doing something for her as a favor. Mm-hmm. And we go to the stockyard... And John Travolta kills a pig, which, by the way, this is this is John Travolta as Danny Zuko. Like he's fully channeling character, essentially. Mm -hmm. Just Um, flowing locks. Yeah. Oh yeah, long hair. Very long. I love how he starts his career with long Long. hair. It's great. His his long hair definitely is part of long and flippy and luscious human experience. Yeah. So kills a pig, and the plan is to. Perch a, a bucket of pig's blood above the stage, and they will rig the election to make Carrie the winner of the prom, and then the, the prom queen, the winner. Yeah. <laughs> I won the prom. Um, that's essentially what happens. It is. Um, so they're Carrie's going to win the prom, and they're going to pour the bucket of pig's blood on her. I think kind of to like mock her for this menstruation thing, you know, kind of as this is hatching, I think simultaneously, and they kind of bring the plan alongside this, Sue and her boyfriend, Mm -hmm. Tommy, Tommy. who is this like almost California surfer kind of looking guy, very cute. Um, Sue says, Tommy, we need to help Carrie be normal. You should ask her to prom. He, he does. Doesn't, he doesn't want to initially. And then when he's watching TV one night, he's like, okay, I'll do it. Well, yeah, because he wants to get with Sue. Yeah. He wants to please He really Sue. likes Anyway, Sue. um, and so we're, I, you know, I was very confused. I thought they were in on the plot. With the I thought they were blood. on the pig, pig's blood plot. But they, I think at the end, it's pretty confirmed. Like, they, they were trying to help her, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Uh, so... That's kind of how Chris knows that that Carrie is going to the prom, and uh, when the plan uh, is affected, the the blood pours on Carrie. It's very dramatic. She's already very thin and waifish, and with the blood, she is like she looks like a drowned she's like rat, a, a Tim Burton with... character. She does look like a uh, Tim Burton totally character, Tim Bert, you know, and so. Uh, then is so angry that she locks the doors of the school, burns, you know, everything's kind everything. of like flying around. The school burns down. Um, she gets out, she walks out and telekinetically shuts the doors behind her. That was pretty sick. Walking through the town, which oh. in the book, essentially the whole town burns down. Mm-hmm. Just kind of a great scale, right? Like this this young, shy girl, her rage that has been cultivated by these bullies is so great that it burns down a whole village, mm-hmm. which is... This is a, a scale that the filmmakers did not embrace. Yeah. It's just the school. But yeah, she does... The school, yeah. yeah, she goes on to, I mean, collapse her house and flip a car uh, the car containing Chris and yeah, uh, Chris, Billy. Yeah, because Chris and, and Billy, who is John Travolta, are literally trying to murder her by running drive her over. drive at her. Yeah, running mm-hmm. her over in a car. And, um, but like her 
her rage flips the car over and the it bursts into flames and that's mm-hmm. very dramatic. <laughs> yes. Um and then she gets home and her mom is uh <laughs> is a complete psychopath and she bathes herself. She and oh, yeah. gets takes mm-hmm. care of herself, gets rid of the blood, is like so, you know, like and is really reaching out to mm-hmm. her mom for comfort. Like she's like mm-hmm. this did, this prom did not go well. You said it wouldn't go well and yeah, it didn't go you were, well. You were right, mom. And her mom is kind of you kind of see her earlier meditating on like the sin like sin will never die. She it turns out she had kind of she had gotten raped mm-hmm. by her boyfriend and that's how she conceived and Carrie. Yeah. And I think this is kind of passing down like the shame and the you know kind of seeing sex as a primary sin. And so she's she uh you see you see her chopping some vegetables earlier. A little bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> Very badly chopping Bad, a carrot. Yeah. Just hacking at a carrot. Not yeah. a good method. Um, she, You see that she has a knife as Carrie is like being comforted in her arms. And she plunges the knife into Carrie's abdomen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carrie then is right, rightfully incensed. Falls down the stairs. Falls down the stairs. And then uh, sort of crucifies her mother with various sharp implements. <laughs> Including, um, I think it was a potato peeler goes in her heart, so... That's not a sharp enough implement to do it, that. That would be very That's painful. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. But she ends up in this kind of uh, Christ-like stance with her arms stretched out and many, many stab wounds in her body. Yeah. Blood pouring out on her white nightgown. It Again, very visually stunning... Very visually stunning. Uh, and also, you're like, this is the best case scenario for this woman. This woman needs, <laughs> this woman can't really handle being in the world. And that's kind of the end of Carrie because More or less. The, the, the house burns down and Carrie perishes in her she, own. There's age. a little, I, I don't know if we want to reveal that if people have not for some reason seen this movie. There's a there is something that happens at the end that did yeah. actually legitimately make me jump and swear. I was very surprised. The ending is great. And I don't think, yeah, and I don't think it's in the book, but they, I feel like they put a nice button on the end. They do. That's the movie. It's the movie. I mean, it's so again, themes. John Travolta played the part of the bully the Billy. <laughs> bully Billy. Well, he was he wasn't even bull- I don't, he, he didn't was, even know he cared. He just wanted to he just get he some didn't, head, really. Real that is what he wanted. Uh-huh. He was very motivated by sex and very I don't know, just like he he enjoyed his car. He was a pretty vapid dude. So I th- you was, know the car theme I feel like also translated mm-hmm. into into Greece. They're like Oh yeah. John Travolta looks great in a car. Let's let's, let's keep him in a that car. Theme through. Yeah, and interestingly I think that a lot of times movies like put a lot of value on on male intellect. Like we see that a lot in our our male heroes. But like uh interestingly his character was he specifically was like I'm not that smart. I think he worked for the the stockyard. Um he seemed like a working class dude and he's like I know that's what you like about me to the to Chris, his girlfriend, and I thought that was like an interesting thing where it's like he all all of the outside things he knew were appealing. He knew he looked good. He knew he had an awesome car. He had probably a source of income to afford that car. He could show a girl a good time, 
But yeah, he was like, I know that you're not attracted to this part of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes that's like how we look at attraction or attractiveness is like this package where it's like, well, if you lack one thing, like intellect, or if you lack personality or you, you know, but if all the other things are there, it's like, well, I still know that I'm attractive because, you know, I've got the car. Mm-hmm. I feel like that also that time, that time period is like, if you like in Greece, like, you know, if you have a car, that's like a huge asset to the relationship. Yeah. Speaking of car, <laughs> if you hear something in the background, it was a car alarm. Yeah, outside it's of our fine. studio. Our studio, our very glamorous <laughs> studio in Los Angeles, California. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think I think he played the character well and just as it needed to be played. I think a lot of characters, really the main characters in this movie are Sissy, Sissy SpaceX character, Carrie, and her mother, Piper Laurie. Both and of which got nominated. They both, both got nominated. Whom got nominated for um, a uh, Oscar for Oscars. Yeah, uh, best actress and best supporting actress. So that said, he played the role that he needed to in this movie, and he played it well. Like I said, and I think that was kind of everybody in mm-hmm. this movie. Everybody kind of contributed in a small way to this giant blowout and series of deaths and destruction. And it was all because they messed with a girl. They messed with the wrong girl. They sure did. Mm -hmm. Looking to create a website for your frightening church or cult but just can't find the time? Well, look no further. Spiritual Space has you covered. Whether you want to proselytize or demonize, Spiritual Space allows you to easily select a template that works best for your extremely creepy congregation. Also, they have amazing telekinetic drag-and-drop tools so you can easily customize the look of your site using your mind. Promote your band to your tripped-out followers. Add a button for easy donations to your psychotic religion so you don't have to go door-to-door. Go to spiritualspace.com and enter the promo code BURNITTOTHEGROUND for 50% off on your first month. Spiritual Space. Construct it creepy. It's such a good book. It's a good, it's a good it's, movie. It is a very classic movie. And uh, if you haven't, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you to watch all the movies that we have to but watch. But seriously, watch them. <laughs> but this one is definitely something that should be in your, in your experience. So, yes. Anyway. Wait, you mean you're not going to tell people to watch Mandy? I would say watch Mandy if that is... I think you should watch Mandy because we're going to talk extensively about it now. I don't mean that. I just mean like no, I know. movies like The Forger. <laughs> the Forger. What a we're film it was. Love. Oh my gosh. Good lord. Mandy came out in 2018 and it was directed by Panos Cosmatos. And it is obviously starring Nicolas Cage. But also features a great actress named Andrea or Andrea Riseborough. The budget for the movie was six million dollars, and it has currently made one point five million in the box office. So you could call that a loss. 
And it was a limited release. <laughs> it was we a limited release. We don't know re- why. But we don't, we don't know what's the in the case. works for this yeah. movie because I think there is some stuff in the works. But um, the summary of this movie is as follows. The enchanted lives of a couple in a secluded forest are brutally shattered by a nightmarish hippie cult and their demon biker henchmen, propelling a man into a spiraling, surreal rampage of vengeance. So, yeah, essentially, this movie... <laughs> you can sum it up in, in one sentence. In one sentence. Uh, it... It's a very, I mean, we open on um, this kind of, maybe it's not the opening shot, but we know that we're in the Shadow Mountains, which is presumably in the great Pacific Northwest Mm -hmm. in 1983, and everything is really beautiful and ethereal, and we uh, (laughs) we see this couple, we see Nicolas Cage, his name is Red in the movie, and we see Mandy. Uh, played by Andrea, and they have this perfect relationship, or presumably perfect relationship. He, like, Which is not cuts down trees. Yeah, he's a logger. He's a logger. And we don't get a lot of development of, like, this is why their relationship is great. I think he just, like, comes yeah. home and kisses her, and they're... But they don't do a lot together, do they? They don't. They don't really do a lot. They kind of live very separate lives, but are connected. It would appear they are connected by television, they watch TV together at night. They cuddle at night. Um, she's an artist. He marvels at her work. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a part in the beginning. Everything, um, this uh, director is kind of characterized from what I've read by very slow speech and very little speech in his movies. And they have these very slow conversations at the beginning of the movie where they just kind of, she shares about her childhood experiences he shares about uh does he share anything not really it's just her uh so she's you know and she's also she works at um just like a little mom and pop kind of store that just like sells basic things in the middle of nowhere so when she's not making her art she's doing that it just seems like they kind they kind of exist harmoniously together um until they do not one day Oh, not Carrie. One day Mandy is walking down the road to go to work because I don't even think she has a car. I think she just kind of flits from place to place. Mm -hmm. And this cult leader in this van sees her and um, falls in love with her and decides that he wants her and deserves to have her because he feels that he deserves to have anything he wants and God told him that. So... He enlists some people, uh, this biker gang, to steal her against her will. It's a very terrifying scene. The 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 interesting thing from the get-go in this movie is it's incredibly experimental with light and color and all these. It's very psychedelic. Mm-hmm. And um, it's also, uh, we were commenting, it feels so much like a graphic novel. It feels like we're just looking at frame after frame of the graphic novel with very, very little conversation and a lot of visual, visual elements and visual storytelling. And not a lot of shot movement right mm-hmm. like there's not a lot of shots that are like following a person or following a line of action mm-hmm. it's like a set a set shot that is kind of one composition and mm-hmm. one image yeah yeah exactly and um yeah it's I thought it was just visually very compelling and the music was really interesting like everything with the storytelling was fun um as it progressed we get to this like crazy town where 
essentially she gets abducted by this demonic biker gang um, who's summoned by a whistle <laughs> or a, oh, yeah. a a reed. No, it's not. It's like a rock. Like, it looks it like a volcanic this, rock yeah. that they blow into and it, they summon these like lights that I thought were sort of going to be alien ships, but they, I mean. They turned out to be people. That are of Satan, I think. They had weird voices and weird bodies with spiky things on them. Maybe that was just like armor for when they ride their bicycles. But they they also didn't die very easily, so I do think they were I think they were supernatural, yeah. Of some kind, yes, of some sort. So they assist with stealing Mandy, and then... Also, though... They just kind of captured her, but they stayed in her house. They did stay in the house. That was very weird, too. Why not just they, take her away? I think, I think they That's, kind of inhabit spaces is what they do. Because they just the live theory. in that van, maybe? I think they just travel in that van. Oh, no. And I think that first space that they were in. Also, this guy, uh, this cult leader, he's a Jeremiah. failed musician, Jeremiah Sand. He he really resounds of, like, um, uh, Charles. is it Charles Manson? Yeah. Um, who I do not know a lot about, clearly. I wasn't even certain of his name, but which I'm okay with. I think that's fine that I don't know a lot about Charles Manson, but apparently Charles Manson was also a failed musician, so there's a lot of parallels between them. Um, he's very, like, sexually exploitative. He is very controlling. He has a small group of followers, but they follow him, and I think they're also addicted to his drugs. Um, he, I know that he... Part of the exchange with this biker gang is they're very addicted to LSD, and I think there's some sort of payment or transaction where they give them drugs, mm-hmm. because they also give uh, give Mandy, I'm going to keep calling her Carrie, gosh, give Mandy, they give Mandy LSD uh, through her eye. I don't know how drugs work either, because I don't do drugs, um, but they give her a drug, and they sting her with this giant like wasp bug, which is so gross yeah. and creepy. And then she's like tripping out and he basically propositions her and is like, like, Hey, join my cult, have sex with me. We're meant to be together. And she laughs We're in very his face. Special. She laughs at, at his naked body. His response is so full of rage that he ties her in a sack and burns her. Yeah. Um, in front of Nicholas Cage. In which front of Red. Red. And oh, so he's in anguish watching her burn. It's terrible. They leave. And, um, you know, he, he's, he like rips himself out of the barbed wire and begins his plan of rampage. By drinking a lot of vodka and pouring it on his wounds and crying and screaming. And it is brutal. And he's wearing, this is also important. He's wearing a tiger shirt and his whitey tidy underwear and he has blood on his face and his wrists and he's drinking vodka in this orange bathroom with this crazy wallpaper with an orange tiger on his shirt and then he sits on the toilet and just screams and it is amazing. It's visceral. It is so visceral. It's definitely an expression, like his whole reaction I think made sense in my frontal though, but like I didn't (laughs) relate to it like, You're like he I've never done this. looked like a hot mess and is I don't know I, but yeah mess. I was fascinated that like maybe this is someone's expression of ultimate grief mm-hmm. is is glugging vodka in your tidy whities in the bathroom mm-hmm. so I don't know 
It yeah. takes all kinds. He, I mean, he, he acts relatively quickly, right? So this, he passes out after he gets uh, untied from the, the, you know, all the terrible things. And then he drinks the vodka and screams. And then he kind of just goes to work. He, he goes and gets his, uh, his crossbow. crossbow from a friend. His friend, friend is also, keeping it for him. Why was his friend keeping his crossbow? He had a whole house. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, he, maybe he was a violent person, and he's like, you know what? I need I just to have want. my crossbow mm-hmm. in this trailer. I would you. give you my crossbow. Yeah, the guy had like one and a half trailers, had no room for storage, mm-hmm. and and and, and uh, Red is burdening him with this crossbow. crossbow. Maybe his he bed. used the crossbow. Maybe. For protection. He also made maybe him some he, extra arrows. Um, I think that was implied. I don't think he made. You don't think he for made him? I think that forged he the made, arrows. Maybe he's hmm. a maybe he's a weapons expert, yeah. and and that's why he had the bow on hand, and also had these these. Uh-huh. What was the line? It cuts through people, cuts through flesh like a like a fat boy through birthday cake or something. <laughs> I don't remember yeah, that, but it weird. doesn't mean it didn't exist. Yeah, so so he gets this this weapon. He also makes the choice to forge a new weapon. He he oh, makes yeah. an insane battle axe. There's a battle axe. It's craftsman montage. Awesome. Is it though? Uh, it's excessive. It's <laughs> indulgent, sure. But again, if we're going back there's to this a blade, idea, there's a blade at the, the tip of the handle yes, as well. That's there it, is, that's, which is an sick. important amenity. Well, here's the thing: if if we are indeed accepting the fact that there is a demonic biker gang and there are like spiritual elements to this world, and there, um, this is like a graphic appear, novel. It is, and it doesn't appear Why not to be forge your own weapon necessarily. It might be a another, bunch of there's moons. a moon. Yeah, there's, there's multiple two moons. moons. Yeah. Hmm. So anyway, well, but, oh yeah, I don't know. Um, but he didn't, like, do an incantation. There didn't seem to be anything supernatural about the... There weren't any the, extraneous, yeah. About the axe. Right. It just poured metal into a form, Sharpened basically. it, went to work. So he took his stuff. He basically found the biker gang. Uh, they capture him again. He proceeds to break free and just beat the crap out of them. But um, then... After he does, he sees their magic gray drink. Gray drink. Don't drink people's gray drink. This this house is disgusting. It looks exactly like it would if there were, like, three sophomore college students living in a trailer together. They probably That's were. That's what it they was. Were probably they were college probably, dropouts. Or they were at the community college trying to get credits. And just had no Can time you imagine that guy in all of his armor just, like, taking a class on economics? <laughs> yeah. Um, so he, he sees amongst all these like Chinese takeout containers, specifically Chinese takeout, um, is this jar of gray drink that we had seen. We, we saw the demon person, person of demon extraction. (laughs) Um, Yes, that's a way to describe them. People first, um, is that they drank it at like, as they were going off to do the kidnapping. And so he does he even just take one little He takes lick? a tiny bit, tiny lick. He takes lick. a very small part and his brain sort of freaks out. Freaks out and goes to the next level. Again, visually stunning. Also uh, intellectually unsatisfying. He he'd just done cocaine, so I can imagine the cocaine with they the had tainted piles LSD. Of cocaine there. They had a lot of cocaine. Did he um, get LSD too? Did they get that? I think that I think the silver stuff was LSD. 
It was a liquid LSD. I I looked it up because I wasn't sure because I don't understand. <laughs> I do not understand drugs, guys. Uh, but oh, the other fun thing That's about just this for the scene, DEA. though, we do tons of drugs. Yeah, so Crazy. many drugs. It's awesome. Why else do you drugs think are so podcast? cool. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, the thing I did really like about that scene was just the how casual he he enters the kitchen and he's. He's like looking around the kitchen and you almost think he's foraging for food, but he's really looking for his weapons. <laughs> so he's like opening cabinets and he ends up finding his axe and then he finds his crossbow. In the kitchen And then he cabinets. does the LSD. Yeah, he finds him. I thought he was foraging for food. I was like, oh yeah, he's just looking for a snack. No, he's he was just looking for his weapons and he well, finds them. that's a normal thing to do. Also, But I don't know why they would be in the kitchen cabinets. Like... Yeah. That's just not where you store weaponry. It isn't. Anyway. But but their house was a mess. So um I didn't take a lot of notes after this. I think that probably the next really significant interaction is between this uh between Red and this guy the chemist who makes the drugs. I'm assuming he's the drug dealer oh. or the d- drug creator. Honestly, were you just like totally like what the heck I is going on? I thought he was having a dream. Mm. I did not necessarily I did not necessarily read that as like that exist like he is a person that exists in any relevant way, huh? Because there, I mean, what explanation was there for him? Not a huge explanation. <laughs> I think I don't know how he would have found him either, but he finds him. He, I don't know if he really goes into with the intent of killing him, but he, the chemist sets his tiger free, mm-hmm. basically assuming that if Nicolas Cage a.k.a. Red, is intended to continue living, he will not be attacked, right? Um, But then it's implied that he, because of this connection he has to tigers, (laughs) he has a tiger shirt. He does, and we we see at the very end of the credits mm -hmm. that that Mandy drew him with a tiger. With a tiger. So there's some sort of connection he has, and that is what continues to ensure that he is safe and and. Uh, you know, moves on or progresses to the next level, which it's is It's like a, I don't know, cult. it's like the knight meeting the troll under the bridge, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, I guess you can continue your quest. Yeah. The um, the tiger's name is Lizzie. It is. For I, what it's worth. Yeah. I, 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 I think if I were to rewatch this movie, I would pay a little more attention to this section, but by the middle, I was, or this is like towards the end of the movie, I was kind of, it's a two-hour movie, and I was definitely... Uh, probably a little distracted. <laughs> yeah. Also, we had friends watching with us, and they were do not, not enjoying blame, themselves. <laughs> no, do not blame this on. This is a weird ass movie, and okay. that is a weird ass scene. I but our friends are weird, and they I thought they would enjoy it, and they were not having friends, fun. Our friends were not distracting us. First of all, Josh was asleep. That's true. John was not making any comments. He kept saying he was going to leave, though. Okay, but that doesn't take away from understanding this chemist person, okay. and I, I just Fine. don't think they like un- explained him mm-hmm. uh, in in the context of the movie. Which That's again, like with graphic novel type things and fantasy, it's like yeah, you don't really have to explain things, and I think they they opted to not. <laughs> to one that. one thing, ra- I guess, rather than continue to go through this sequentially, because basically all that happens for the rest of the movie is people die, people are killed by red. Right. Well, there's Until, actually just one more person. That's not true. 
Oh, you're right. There are Wait, many. He does the chainsaw he picks battle. Off, he picks off oh, one yeah, person right. at a time, except for the girl that's stuck in the cult. He like lets her go, and so she cries. Weird. It's like he goes to the chemist after defeating the hardest people to defeat. The yeah. biker gang. It felt like he should have defeated the biker gang at the end or something because they were really scary. The people. Or the chemist, or visited the chemist after the weapons guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The people in the. Yeah, in his cult were just nitwits. They were dumb people. And, like, especially the guys, the the stereotypes of the men that were in that cult were just, like, they were mouth breathers. They were, like, literally they, they all had their mouths open all the time and they were they were entertained by stupid things and they just, like, mindlessly followed him and did everything that he wanted. So he, he actually also, he kills the guy that's, like, his right-hand man first. Mm-hmm. And then he moves on to all the the really dum dums, and then he ends up killing this like old woman who's who's devoted to to the to the cult leader, and then he finally kills the cult leader by crushing his skull with his hand. Um, so it's a lot of really weird things that happen, but um, I think what I'm I don't even know where how to even begin to classify what a theme or assign a theme to this movie. I think that. It's kind of a John Wick. Have you did you yeah. see John Wick? So so this you know premise of this guy losing something and because he loses something he's a he's a natural born killer and it triggers this this killing that he had suppressed and he just kills everyone. And um so I mean I think that was the intent of the movie. I think it's a really heavily visual movie. I thought it was beautiful. I thought um it was really surreal. There was some artwork um, in different places that was like in, I think it's, an it's implied animation that maybe not the animation was was hers, but we see sketches of Mandy's throughout the movie. But then we also have this animation once she dies that's kind of implied that it's her and she's like kind of still engaging on this plane. Maybe maybe it's like an implied spiritual plane or something. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but ultimately, I think the movie works because of Nicolas Cage, but because he is just capable of creating a really basically heightening himself and being, I think that's, that's what they wanted with this movie. I yeah. think they wanted Nicolas Cage because you don't even see any really like big names in this movie except for him. And he is the main character. And I think that the director really wanted to see him just kill everybody. Yeah. I mean, this was a revenge movie. I definitely appreciate you remembering all the details. <laughs> to me, this movie is like, Man gets girlfriend taken away from him and killed in a brutal way, and he revenges her and himself and his grief by killing them. And that's what it is. And they they do they do some interesting visuals with that. But you know, beyond I mean they I, I would say there is a theme of of like man like Carrie, blood and fire fire and destruction as a cleansing force right like in his revenge in Carrie's revenge the response to to making the things right again is by destroying them through fire and I think this is a you know this is a human theme um I think that you know you know you burn witches you burn uh, books that you don't like, you burn, um, I don't know, a city that is trying to, <laughs> that is in your enemy's 
control or something, you know, there's this sense of like, it's unredeemable. It has to be fully destroyed and, and taken down to its elements. Um, and I, I think the Jeremiah says something like that, where when she rejects him, when Mandy rejects him, he talks about the cleansing fire that she needs to experience. And so that's why they burn her. She's not even able to be converted over to their side. Mm. And again, when he finally kills, um, when he, when Red finally kills Jeremiah, he, um, not only kills him, but also burns down the, the church. church. That, see, they, it was a cute little church. It was a cute little little church. Little A-frame. Oh, that's right. He goes in there and he, they had killed other people to inhabit that place. You know, and we see blood used as the symbol of, like, full, you know, destruction of life. Um, they are both very covered with blood. Yeah. And he does not stop to clean it off. He doesn't. know. It's someone else's blood, too. I love that Ooh. shot, though, when he's talking to the chemist. There's this shot where he's looking crazy-eyed and his face is just covered with blood, and it's awesome. It is Nick Cage at his finest, in my opinion. It's... <laughs> um... Yeah, no, it, it's definitely it's definitely dramatic. It's interesting that Carrie cleans herself off. Yeah, she of does. the blood, and I think she order, wants things to go back to the way they were. I think she wants. She's to, making an attempt to. Like, she yeah, she even says to her mother like, "You were right," and yeah. you know she she wants to go back, but she can't. It's not possible. Her mom won't let her because she stabs her. Thanks, Mom. Interestingly, Nick Cage is stabbed in the abdomen, too. He is. With a knife. And they both, Carrie and Whoa. Nick Cage, are both survived their stab wounds. Fully unaffected by the stab wound. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There are a lot of parallels. I feel like they could even be, like, hat-tipping, almost, with the Mandy stuff to Carrie. It's possible, for sure. Yeah, I Who mean, knows? I think that that kind of, you know, all-out revenge out of anger. Anger is like one of the first emotions that I think mm-hmm. humans ever experienced. So it's, it's so primal. And especially when it's something where it's like, you've, you've, um, well for Carrie, it's like, you've shamed me mm-hmm. in front of everybody. There's nothing, you know, as enraging as that. And then, you know, with, with Nicholas Cage taking something away and also harming someone that I love. Um, that seems like a sort of ultimate, um, injury. Anyway, uh, Mandy, Mandy's a really interesting movie. I definitely have never seen anything like it, (laughs) uh, truly. And, you know, it's a, it's a certain flavor. Um, that kind of leads us to our next thing. So, um, we need to decide on a winner. Oh, no, 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 that's not true. Yeah. We need to decide. Skip the wardrobe. It's important. We gotta, we gotta objectifyingly speak about these dudes, so we're gonna talk about their wardrobes. Let's keep their this brief. Yeah, this we will, because really... there's a lot of blood. Nick I Cage mean, is almost wearing one thing the whole time, which is, you know, not... He has a tiger shirt, 44. Um, he, yeah, underwear, he does... Wait, what does he wear at the end? He Does he just have, like... I don't Spikery even think you can clothes. tell. Like, I feel like he gets a jacket. It's a lumberjack again. He did, he just like the kind of like City of Angels, a little bit of flannel at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, lots of blood on Cage. I thought his hair looked nice. 
um, for, you know, this is, and he had, he had a nice little grizzly beard going uh, on. Yeah, I did like the beard, actually. Mm-hmm. I liked that look. He definitely seemed thicker and mm-hmm. more burly in mm-hmm. this movie than a lot of his other movies where he's, like, a scientist or, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Travolta was, uh, a younger Danny Zuko, mm-hmm. like, from, from the 70s and not the 50s, and he was very handsome, I yeah, would say. he, again, I think had sort of forgettable, uh, wardrobe offerings, mm-hmm. uh, but his hair was luscious. Mm-hmm. Very luscious. Beautiful down to, hair. Down to his neck, and, um... Again, just the most charming smile, which really is the best thing you can wear. He's um, so charming. He's the most charming villain. And I He is a villain yet again. We have we have a yeah. good cage and a bad Travolta. <laughs> Interesting. I would have liked to see this uh I would have liked to see Travolta as the the cult leader. I think he'd be a really good cult leader <laughs> for Mandy. I think that was a maybe, missed opportunity. Maybe because Maybe because their budget Scientology, was... Scientology, I was going to say. No, um, yeah, their budget was not gigantic. I mean, by today's standards, Yeah, they, they blew all of their budget on Nicholas Cage. On Cage, Cage. yeah, yep, so they couldn't have... They couldn't have had Travolta in it. So, yeah, that was pretty, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. I would say, for me, I want to... Oh, this is so tricky. I would definitely go with Red. I mean... Th- Travolta, Billy was... Billy's an asshole. Yeah, Billy's an asshole. He's a dumbass. He was, like, essentially... He was almost assaulting Chris. Yeah, so, Red is very sweet. Yeah, there is no really redeemable factor about Billy in, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately. Although he did get the job done with the pig. You know, he, he stepped did. up to the plate, for better or worse. But you know what? I Mostly want a man. I want a man who, if I'm burned alive, will avenge my death by fighting another man with a chainsaw. Oh yeah, there was a chainsaw that was duel. Sick. That was one yeah, of that was I have duel. to tip my my hat to that. The the chainsaw duel was very good and but he and he and he won the duel by outsmarting the other guy who had a bigger chainsaw. <laughs> but uh, you know, kind of David and Goliath him. He's like, I'm gonna use my advantage as a smart person and you're use your advantage as a Big chainsaw to, as a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Hashtag Nick Cage. Hashtag hot stuff. Oh okay. Gosh. I'm trying so hard not to be biased, but the longer we've done this podcast, the more I love Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <sighs> that said, um, okay. So, going back to something I said earlier, I really do feel... Well, I guess you said that you felt like they kind of blew their budget on Nick Cage, right? And I think that the movie was intended, again, it was intended to revolve around Cage. I mean, it was. (laughs) It was all about Nicolas Cage and him killing people. Yeah. So I did love the movie. I did love Mandy a lot. I, I was really shocked, again, that nobody seemed to like it as much as I did, because um, I do not do drugs. Again, I will say that again. I do not do drugs, DEA, but I visually, I love movies that are psychedelic and weird and trippy, but the plot of this movie just didn't cut it, and it can't beat a classic. 
So that said, I'm going to give my vote to Carrie and Nicholas. <gasps> I mean, and John Travolta. Oh my I'm giving gosh. my vote, and I have to be. I I well, I I know that Travolta did not play the biggest character in the movie by any means. I think he played his character well. I think the story was told, even if they didn't do Stephen King perfect justice with the story. I think at the time, yeah, how can you do that? I think that the story was amazing and, and they did, they, again, they used the details they could to tell it in in an effective way and wrap it up nicely with a bow, uh, a very scary bow in my opinion, (laughs) because it was a legit jump scare for me. I jumped and screamed. I also, I mean, there are some, some aspects of the cinematography, which I didn't talk about. I wasn't a huge fan of like the foggy lens scenes, like anything where it was very foggy. I was like, no, but the visual also of Carrie getting the blood dumped and then the split screens was incredible Mm -hmm. and such an interesting thing. And I can only imagine at the time when that came out being like, holy crap, what is going on? So again, um, I, my vote this week I know you weren't expecting that, but my vote goes to Travolta. Man. I mean, mine does too. (laughs) 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 um, You know, Mandy was a real special treat. But I don't even know that I felt like Cage brought land. I don't know. He, he, He killed the people. Did he bring an, an element of, of real humanity to his strange character? No. <laughs> and the, yeah, and I think the, yeah, I think it was just, everything was just a bit one dimensional. And, and when you have that, it's, uh, it is terrifying because you're like, these aren't humans. These are one dimensional creatures, but it also doesn't, I feel like it doesn't give the audience an opportunity to really care about what's happening. And I struggled to care. Uh, whereas Carrie, Carrie was just, it, it, it created a horrific situation and, and it created terror out of really relatable material, you know, bullying. I hear that's still going on. Oh yeah. You know, bullying, bodies changing, you know, religious sociopath mother that is using, using shame to like, uh, to really harm her daughter and eventually leads her to try to kill her daughter. I think, yeah, it really used humanity as part of the terror. So I'm going to give it to Carrie as well. Good job, Carrie. Good job, Carrie. Oh, man. <laughs> and it was, oh, I don't know. This also, I think you mentioned this is the oldest movie that we have reviewed, but yes. it's also the oldest movie against the newest movie. The very newest movie. So, very newest. What, I is do, Travolta working on anything right now? I don't know. John, I, DM gonna, us. Let us know. Yeah, let us interview you. <laughs> It'll be great. No, don't. I can't. <laughs> we'll I can't meet you at the Scientology that. building. But you can text us. Um, <laughs> anyway. So, Jess, this brings us to our last segment of the show. Are there any peaches in your life right now? The peach in my life right now that I'll talk about is um, old movies. I I really like watching older movies um, just to kind of get a glimpse of the past and in a way that you can't do like through period pieces because you're really seeing how people like in 
that decade were like telling stories and expressing the world. And the one of the movies I watched recently is called The Pawn Broker that I uh, heard about on the radio. And this is one of the first movies that talked about the Holocaust and talked about concentration camps in a really meaningful way in Hollywood. And it was made in 1964. So it was like well after. And it, it, the main character is this uh, Jewish man in New York City, which the, the view of New York City was really, really interesting too. Aaron and I used to live there, so it was really, really fun to see that. Um, and also, it, I feel like it was really ahead of its time in talking about PTSD mm. um, and the PTSD that this man experienced, also sort of the lack of compassion that this man experienced because of his trauma. And it also had images of concentration camps with like, you know, naked people, skinny people being abused at the hands of the Nazis, um, getting shot. And like, this is just something that, again, it's one of the first film portrayals of this that, you know, I think what I heard from that radio piece is that like Schindler's List was really one of the first movies to kind of like, let's start bringing this into mainstream and, like, making these epic movies about it. And which, you know, ever since I've been alive, that's been the case. There's, like, a Holocaust movie for, like, every year. Um, and my background is Jewish, so I, I grew up watching or, you know, being educated about this. But it was interesting to watch a movie that was doing very early work and trying to educate the public about um, about that event. So, hmm. The Pawn Broker. The also, pawn Quincy broker. Jones does... The score, Whoa. and it is real weird and real awesome. It's all jazz. Yeah, it's it's super interesting. So how fun! What, what's your peach, dude? Or collection of peaches? I was actually thinking about it a lot. This time of year, uh, we are in winter. I'm just gonna keep it vague and say winter because who knows when this is actually gonna it's come the out? Winter of 2021. What, Twenty. It's in the future. 2019. Um. And it's a hard time for teachers. It is really exhausting, and it feels like a desert of sorts. It's like the, a times. hard season or a hard time in history? Oh, both, I would say. <laughs> or just like, what did you mean? <laughs> uh, there's a lot. I mean, there's obviously a lot going on, or there have been a lot of um, strikes, teacher strikes, because teachers need money and need to survive, and a lot of teachers are leaving their jobs which is sad to me. Um, and yet a reality, like, feels like it could be a reality for me too. Like, can I actually afford to continue with this career? So you're saying you, like, don't like living by the poverty line? Like, that's not <laughs> a thing that you... Yeah, do. it's not my favorite. It's, Why you went to it's, school? It's pretty okay. challenging, yeah, because I did. I did have to go back to school to get educated in this field yeah. so I could teach. But that said lately i've been very mindful um and thoughtful of what's going on at my school and my peach is my students right now oh my god i know isn't that crazy i i have some challenging classes i'm going to keep it super vague i don't think any of them are going to listen to this i have okay i have one challenging class but they're actually my and favorite class you know class. who you are yeah you guys they do know who they are <laughs> But everyone, it's, you know, middle school, also teaching middle school is really tough for a variety of obvious reasons. Um, yeah. if, if you could believe, you know, high schoolers are mean and carry, well, middle schoolers are 
twice as mean, it feels like, Plus a lot they of the have time. The, they have the Instagram now, so. They have the Instagram, they bully online, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, but I, in trying to pay attention to my kids in, in a challenging season, I've actually been very blessed by my students. They are, like, just, they're just very silly and... Uh, it's fun to, I don't really know how to describe what it's like to, I mean, everyone has hopefully been in middle school or knows what it felt like, but it feels like you're just kind of like as a teacher, being a middle school teacher, it feels like I'm stuck in this very strange place with these very strange people, but I'm like embracing it and we're all having fun and embracing the crazy together. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Just a lot of silly stuff this week, uh, my students, one thing that was actually a peach, it got really annoying by the end of the week, but my students, um, I have a, an essential oils diffuser that I put essential oils in, and they kept shouting at my essential oils diffuser and calling it Google Home and trying to make it <laughs> do, do stuff, uh, and they thought it was the funniest joke, and it was pretty funny. It, 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 They're hilarious. You know, by, by Friday, I was like, okay, okay, I don't have to see you guys for two days. This is good, but, but it was still a peach, and... Um, I have kids that like to come to my class and just hang out during lunch and I have, I don't know, it's just like, it's sweet to be able to hang out with other humans and hang out with them at such a weird time in their lives and also know, like they're going to move on with their lives and they're going to grow up and they're maybe going to forget about me and that's fine. But it's, it's nice that we're in this moment together right now as the Titanic is sinking. It's oh dear. <laughs> Um, we're, we're like the band. We're like the band that continued oh, to play as the ship was going down okay. because our education system is failing. Support um, teachers, guys. Support teachers. Yeah. No, but I know that didn't really sound – that sounded like kind of a rotten peach, but it was a peach. It was a really good week. You know what? I feel like a lot of peaches, you know, they are incredible, but they maybe have a little a bruise or a discoloring on the part of it. Right? And you just cut around it and or you eat it anyway. Bake it into a pie. Find a different way to prepare it. And it's good. Enjoy it. Yeah, it's like making lemonade. Make a bellini. Make a, yeah, we should make bellinis. Oh, that's a great that's idea. That's a really good idea. <laughs> we have Write that shoes. down. Okay. <sighs> what are we watching next episode? In the next episode, we'll be facing off Travolta's Battlefield Earth and Cage's Humanity Bureau. This is going to be great. <laughs> this is all about future... The future. This is about the, the ship sinking. Mm -hmm. this it is, is the ship This sinking. is what happens when you don't invest in your teachers or your children. The the future crumbles. And Travolta has really bad hair. Oh, I'm excited I'm sure it's about that. It's going to be awful. I did see a book at the thrift store yesterday called Battlefield Earth. So I think at my theory, right, the second is that it's based on that novel. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out yeah. more by the time we record this. For the next uh, podcast. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Face Off Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at faceoffpod or email us suggestions at faceoffpod at gmail.com. We hate to see you go, but we love to watch you leave. Goodbye.